This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Now from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers, Creatures of the Night. Happy Halloween, uglies, and welcome to another haunting and terrifying episode of the Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night. Now, it may not be Halloween yet, but from October 1st until November 1st, it is Halloween in this house. So prepare to hear that phrase many, many times before the month is over. (laughs) We have a lot of stuff to cover today on this special two-part episode. I think we better get right to it. First, we want to announce that we are now officially a Dread Central podcast. It was announced yesterday that Creatures of the Night was officially moved to Dread Central, and we are thrilled to be a part of the Dread Network. Dread Central has been the go-to place for horror news, updates, and information for a long time, and we're just excited to join our filthy little family with theirs. Um, And obviously the next big piece of news this episode is that we were finally able to announce the project we've been working on for months now. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't heard yet, the Boulay Brothers Dragula is releasing its first spinoff just in time for Halloween called the Boulay Brothers Resurrection. And it's coming out on October 20th, 2020. So many exciting details attached to this project. It is an AMC Shutter original, which we are super thrilled about. I think a lot of people have kind of talked to us in the wings and kind of privately like what a great place Shutter would be for Dragula to sort of exist because, I mean, hi, the worlds of horror and the worlds of drag kind of married together. What a great place to call home for this special spinoff. Um, 
We also want to say how unique it is because the content that we've created is not only some of the best content that Boulay Brothers Productions has put together, but also the format is kind of interesting. I think it's something that people won't necessarily expect. I'm so excited that we're finally able to talk about it and that we're going to be releasing it soon because I honestly feel it's the best content that we have produced to date. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm excited for people to see it. It's, it's, we're presenting drag in a way that no one has seen drag before. And the level of drag artistry on the special is just so high. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever seen anything like it. Yeah, and the contestants aren't bad either. I mean, it's oh us that are really God. incredible. But, you know, they're pretty good too. <laughs> you yeah. know, they've all grown so much since their season. And the thing is, all of them have always been incredible artists, but they didn't get to show all of that on their season because some of them, you know, the way that the challenges fell and the way that they placed, they didn't get to show everything that they had. So it's really exciting to give them the opportunity to show their true artistic ability this time around. Yeah, I don't think audiences get to see very much of that when it comes to reality TV. Like They just take it for face value. But the truth is, you know, it really does depend on how the challenges come in and whether or not it plays to your strengths or not. So a great artist may just get sort of an unlucky roll of the dice and go out early. And this special kind of shows in many ways, it's it's so exciting to just kind of tease out a little bit more too. But in many ways that some artists who didn't get to show themselves to a great extent on their season, you might be very surprised how well they show now. You know, another exciting aspect is how many other queer musicians that we've invited to be part of this special. The, the, the Boulay Brothers' Dragula Resurrection also features music from not only Kim Petras, but also Orville Peck. Yes, yeah, I'm very excited about. You know, Orville's had uh, a lot of Dragular performers in his music videos, and he's been to our parties, and he was with us for New Year's Eve this year. So it's really fun to be able to incorporate him into the show. I think very exciting, and I think it's just a little precursor of more to come <laughs> in seasons of the future. This episode is a special two-part episode, and for the next half, the second half of the episode, we're going to be interviewing all seven of the competitors from the Belay Brothers Dragula Resurrection. I'm excited to have them on the show and see what they think about the tortures that we put them through. A special treat, of course, that we would love to serve you guys during the Halloween spooky season. So you can, we can all look forward to that. Um, and speaking of the spooky season, um, this year is so extraordinary. We would normally be spending our time traveling the country and meeting fans and throwing parties and hosted haunting attractions. Um, but due to COVID, we can't really do that. So we've come up with these other sort of special ways for everyone to celebrate the season. The one thing I normally would be all against, but I you know, we're doing it just for the Halloween season is cameo. We're going to be doing cameos this season. So if you want us to record a special happy Halloween message for you or someone, you know, or even someone you hate, that might be really fun too. Mm, That is fun. (laughs) You can't find us on cameo just for this month only. Another thing that we'll be offering just for this season in a very limited uh, timeframe are these exclusive handwritten personalized happy Halloween cards um, directly from us to you or a loved one or, you know, a hated one. Um, you know, we don't discriminate. Um, you can get those cards at BoulayBrothersDragula.com. And again, just like the cameos, they will be very limited. So get them now if you're interested. Speaking of limited, there's one more thing we're bringing out for the Halloween season, which is, I don't know if you guys remember, we had our Hello Uglies Christmas sweaters last year. We are putting out a Halloween edition of that, our Happy Halloween Ugly sweatshirt. Uh, Just so you know, these sold out almost instantly last year. And 
people were asking us for them again for Halloween. So we've made a limited run. They're available on the website now, but they're probably going to be gone by the time we even put this podcast out. (laughs) Yeah. So if you want them, you better act now because they do go super fast. But we've also released a ton of new merch on the site that we've never had before. Really fun items like keychains and magnets, bags, filth, horror, and glamour stickers. I mean, there's so many things to look through and peruse and purchase from the BlueLayBrothersDragula.com inventory. Uh, I highly suggest you jump on it now because it is Halloween season and those things will go. Well, that's why I wanted to put stuff out now for Halloween to get people excited and get people in the the mood for Halloween because Halloween's kind of threatened this year, you know? Like Halloween... There's events aren't happening. You can't go trick or treating. So I feel like it is our duty to try to put out as much Halloween content as possible. And I think we are definitely succeeding at that so far. Exactly. You need to grab your keys and put them in your new Dragula bag as you throw it over your Dragula Happy Halloween Ugly Sweatshirt and slap a sticker on there that says Glamour and let everybody know what a filthy beast you are and that you're proud of it. And you'll look just like Ian. (laughs) (laughs) I would say between... The Halloween special that we're coming out with on Shutter, cameos, personalized greeting cards, trick or treat uglies, sweatshirts, season forecasting, and a whole bunch of new merch. I think we are saving Halloween personally. I would have to agree. <laughs> I mean, on a serious note, you know, Halloween is my favorite holiday. And I feel like a lot of our listeners probably feel the same way if they're into our show and what we do. They probably love Halloween, too. And I feel like, you know, anything we can do to inspire people to have the Halloween spirit this year or make them feel more in the season, I think is great. And I hope that they take that energy and spread it to other people as well, because I don't know how Halloween was when you grew up, but as I was becoming a teenager, Halloween was starting to kind of disappear from suburbs and areas that we grew up in. It was sort of like becoming the forgotten holiday. And I feel like in recent years, it's had a major resurgence. And I would hate to see see it go downhill again, you know, because I, I already see stores trying to erase Halloween this year. Like there's no Halloween decorations and there's already Christmas decorations, which I abhor. <laughs> so I just want to make sure we chip in to keep the spirit alive, you know? No, absolutely. And I double down on all of that. Um, And on that note, let's shift gears and welcome our newly promoted show producer and partner in crime, (laughs) Ian DeVogler, back to the podcast. Welcome, Ian. Hey, ladies. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Congratulations. Congratulations on your promotion. Yes. Thank you. Oh, it feels so good. (laughs) Power does feel good, doesn't it, darling? (laughs) Absolutely. If you guys have taught me one thing, it's that power do feel good. (laughs) You do. (laughs) (laughs) How are you guys today? We're great. We are in the Halloween spirit. As you can see, I decorated the studio for you. It's (laughs) so cute, too. I wish the audience could see what we could see right now. I'll take a picture and put it on our Instagram story. Really cute. Yeah. Exclusive look. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You guys should be very, very impressed. Drac has gone all out, and it's actually really cute. Thank you. And we have all our Halloween supplies that we're going to be reviewing later, candles and scents and stuff. I can't. Wait, uh, <laughs> that, that ASMR. No, yes. <laughs> here's the thing: if you guys notice a difference in our voices, we do have these special mics today because we're going to be recording, you know, all together, smelling these candles and scents and everything. And these two fools wanted some ASMR. <laughs> oh my so god! Here we are. 
Well, I'm thinking it's it's kind of like the perfect time too because we're transitioning to the Dread Central network. We're upgrading our technology. We're all together. We're doing it. It's October. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I don't want to jump the gun here, but when we decided that we were going to be smelling Halloween candles for this episode, like I truly have not been this excited to smell a fucking candle <laughs> in my entire life. No, just to be clear, we're not just smelling candles. We also have scented oils, room sprays. Like we're, we're going in. Yes. <laughs> so what do you have as far as entertainment news for us this episode? Today, I'll be bringing you updates from a few different worlds of horror that fans know we all love, and one that may be a little bit of an expansion for listeners of the podcast, with news ranging from the silver screen, drive-in movies, and horror video games. To start things off, I have some news coming out of the world of on-screen terror with some horror movie updates. The upcoming Scream project, now being referred to as Scream 5, made headlines again this week, but not for new additions to the cast as we've become accustomed to in recent memory. Three crew members on the set of Scream 5 tested positive for COVID-19 during the first week of filming. Shooting resumed shortly after this, however, as the crew effects were not part of the principal cast or crew. Uh, Part of production opening back up means that there are extremely rigorous testing protocols in place, so hopefully those crew members make a full recovery and COVID-19 won't overshadow Ghostface as the real villain of Scream 5. I wonder if they're... uh hiding what's really going on like they're doing with Trump. (laughs) (laughs) Only time can tell us. Only time can tell. I hate talking about that kind of stuff because by the time the podcast comes out there's developments, you know? But it seems right now such a weird time. Trump has been diagnosed with COVID. Yeah. Just yesterday. So it's crazy. Who knows where it's going to go, you know? Yeah, we've, we've truly taken another huge step forward toward this weird dystopian future that we thought only existed in, like, movies about the future. Totally. I'm not into, like, for me, I feel like everybody's entitled to their opinion, you know, and I don't just automatically disagree with, you're a Republican, I hate you, you know? I don't feel like that. But I do think... I wonder what people that voted for Trump think when they saw him sort of go out there and say, don't wear a mask. This is a hoax and all this. And then he gets it. Like, how could you not be like, hee-haw, like total donkey ass. Like, you need to rethink. Yeah, you need to rethink something. <laughs> I mean, I think. <laughs> exactly. I mean, to me, right? Do you think that? Like, how could you spin that any other way than you are a complete fool? All we can do is hope that those people have self-reflection on that level and just examine their convictions. Yeah. So what do you think about this with movie news like Scream? I mean, obviously we all know how expensive it is to go into productions like this if things go wrong, you know. I mean, I kind of uh, I kind of can relate a bit. On the one, it's like, well, we, we, we collectively have to work. You know, things have to move forward. It's right. been six, seven months now, and there's no real sign of, like, the way out of this. So all we can do is be as careful as possible and move forward. And I think this is just one of the natural pitfalls of the reality today. And hopefully vaccines get, you know, developed and distributed, and we move out of this and into, like, brighter times. But right now, this is the grim reality that we have to deal with, even in the filming industry. And we know that because we were filming through the COVID to produce uh, Dragula Resurrection and all the extensive measures you have to take mm-hmm. to be safe and to ensure the safety of everybody. It is hard. It is I hard. felt like we were like astronauts, like in spacesuits. Totally. And I feel like we looked as ridiculous too, like with all the masks and gloves and everything, like everywhere we went. And then we all are wearing black and looking like weirdos. Like, you guys know, like, the reactions that we got on this yeah. when people saw us walking in this squad with all this gear on. They were like, 
what is happening, especially in southern states where some of them weren't even wearing masks at all. Yeah, I think we have plans to kind of talk about the production of Dragula Resurrection in an upcoming episode. And I'm kind of excited to you know talk about that because we, like you said, Swan, we 100% realize like, oh, these are the realities you have to face if you want to go into production for anything right now. So you know, the fact that three people on that set tested positive for it, I mean, it sends shivers up my spine because I know, I mean on a set like ours, three people could mean it's game over. Oh, yeah. I I mean, honestly, if one person had gotten anything like that, it would have been game over. So... You know, it's a reminder to all of us just to remain vigilant. It's not over and you can't you can't get tired of it. You can't just throw your hands up and say, oh, I'm sick of this. But, you know, reality isn't going to let up on you. You could become the next victim. Yeah. I mean, you could also be like Trump. (laughs) I can't go to the next debate. I'm sick. Oh, no. (laughs) Very possible. I don't put anything above this administration at all. I mean, not to go off on politics, but I did see today. That's the thing. Like earlier today, they released these eight doctors came out in like cartoon like doctors uniforms did you see that it, it so looked staged. like a ridiculous yeah. like it looked like a stereotypical presentation of this is the board of doctors yeah and they're like oh. he's great now none of them worked at Walter Reed Hospital they of were course. just like special Trump doctors which means they were probably his friends but then they came out and he says he's fine everything's going to be great within a half an hour a press release was released that says they're very concerned about his health and that he was on oxygen for a while girl this isn't a a, this is our turn away from politics and back to the world we can we can all agree though whether it's politics or horror production that the world of covid and and its seriousness applies to everyone yes absolutely moving back into movie news um until recently not much had been known about the upcoming reboot of the craft but blumhouse finally released the trailer for the craft legacy which is officially a sequel to the original with the trailer making lots of references to nancy and the original coven of witches uh the internet is pretty divided on the trailer uh which also confirmed that the sequel is going to be direct to streaming coming to video on demand services everywhere on october 28th did you see the trailer i watched it i did watch the trailer well, what did you, you think? think um I don't want to. I don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to say anything negative about it. It does not look like it captures the same magic. Ooh, magic of the original. And I mean, you guys know. I literally just watched the original for the first time on a plane, like in February, and I was gooped. I was like, oh, I love this movie. It's so campy. It's so fabulous. It's so you, like Teen oh, Witch. Totally. I'm like, come on. No, it's so fun. I actually love the original too, and I did see the trailer, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of uh, straddled right on the fence mm-hmm. about it. You know, it was kind of thrilling to to go back to that world. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're going to make changes that tamper with and spoil the original. And I think that's just a dangerous game. And so, we see so much of that, the remakes that kind of like fuck up the original. Like I, I cringe about the witches, you know, because they're, they're yeah. really releasing that on Disney Plus or something. I think they mm-hmm. just announced that. And I'm just scared to watch it because I don't want them to tamper with something that I love. Totally. Did, is Rachel true in this or no? Uh, not as far as I'm aware. No. See, that's. That's the why. Uh-huh. Why? I mean, the casting. I, I correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that the casting is there is a trans actress who is playing one of the witches. There is a black actress, and there's also an actress who I believe is uh, Latina or Latinx. Um, so I think diversity-wise, it's kind of you know hitting a lot of like good chords, but. Yeah, I mean, just, I don't know. Like, even, like, the inclusion of the black actress, I was like, oh, like, she's, like, barely in this trailer. Like, it just felt like, oh, oh God, let's not do that again. Exactly. Well, I just thought, you know, I feel like Rachel is so intriguing. And, you know, we've had our guests on Dragula and here on the podcast. I just feel like she would be great, you know, especially if she was, like, ushering in, like, a younger generation of witches. Mm. 
totally. so maybe the producers are listening to this podcast and they can maybe. fall under our spell and put Rachel on <laughs> and us <laughs> last thing I do want to say about the trailer I think everyone should go watch it for themselves but I just kind of couldn't get over there's like one part where it's like the main character is like kind of coming into her witch powers and her mom comes up and she's like why are you being like so whatever like why are you being such a a teen girl and she like telekinetic slams this bitch to the ground I was like girl if I ever did that to my mom she would telekinesis slam me right back she gets up and she's like hold my purse (laughs) not tonight beat this bitch's ass Uh, moving on. Uh, crossing into the real world, I have an update about how we all might be celebrating spooky season in person. John Carpenter's classic Halloween, along with Halloween 4 and 5, will be returning to theaters all through the month of October thanks to Cinelife Entertainment bringing the films to drive-in screens all across the U.S. Uh, the version of Halloween coming to drive-ins is a restored and remastered digital print, and the list of drive-in theaters showing the three movies is growing, so check out your local drive-ins, see if you'll be able to catch Michael Myers terrorizing your screen. Ah, that terrorizing. sounds so fun. Danielle Harris, you mean, because she is the star of those movies. Yeah. I, now, I've been, we've, we've been quoted as saying on this podcast that we would never go back to see a horror movie in a drive-in I because know. it's it's just hard to see. It's difficult to see what's going on on screen because it's the ambient light. However, if they're doing Halloween movies in the drive-in through October, we might have to make some exceptions and go check it out. I feel you know, the same I way. saw that movie in Halloween 4 in theaters when it came out. Really? I did. I was really little. And I remember it really fucked with my head because uh, at the time, Daniel Harris was like a little kid in the movie. And I don't know if you guys remember, but at the end, like whatever it is, like she, I don't know if like the energy of Michael Myers or whatever comes into her because he kind of like, quote, dies at the end and she stabs her stepmom at the end of that movie. It was Mm -hmm. really great. And you thought maybe something similar was going to happen oh, to you, wow. and you were like, "I wish." You're like, "Oh, relatable." So I cast a show full of reality participants <laughs> that I got to murder at the end of every episode. It was so cool. <laughs> oh my god! Well, bridging the gap between horror movies and video games, I have a couple of updates for anyone who enjoys gaming as much as we all do. Uh, Netflix Portugal accidentally revealed that Capcom and Netflix will be teaming up to bring a CGI animated Resident Evil series to their streaming service. The Twitter account for Netflix Portugal tweeted a trailer for the series titled Resident Evil Infinite Darkness and then immediately deleted it. But not before fans could quickly screen grab and download the trailer and put it everywhere, leading to Netflix and Capcom officially announcing the release early. The series will feature Resident Evil 2 favorites Leon Kennedy and Claire Redfield and is slated to premiere sometime in 2021. Wow. I'm surprised that didn't happen on Amazon. I'm surprised that was a Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> All I'm picturing wow. is this uh, Netflix Portugal executive like trying to hit delete, delete, and the, the, and the internet world says, not tonight. <laughs> oh, no, you can be an executive and accidentally release two episodes at once and you still won't get fired. Oh, that's so mm-hmm. crazy. I mean, weird. like, God, I mean, who would that ever happen to? I right. Mean, oof, weird bad luck. <laughs> Well, moving forward, uh, lots of games are announcing Halloween-themed updates, including Mortal Kombat 11 and Animal Crossing New Horizons, with both games revealing horror... Cutie Island! Yes, Cutie Island! (laughs) I feel like we're revealing all this. People are like, oh, they like video games? Oh, they like this? Cutie Island! (laughs) So both games are revealing uh, horror skins for characters and pumpkin-themed paraphernalia to decorate your own Cutie Island. Uh, For those of us who love some cosmetic upgrades to our favorite games, this is sure to make your Halloween a little more gamified. 
So people make uh, little Boulay Brothers characters of us and Cutie Island all the time. I love it. <laughs> and they it. send it to us on Twitter. I love it too. They're really good and they're cute. And you know what? Uh, Pinche plays Cutie Island too from season one. And she had like uh, a drag competition <gasps> and people could come to her island and party with her. It was so cute. For those of you that don't know, Cutie Island is what we all refer to Animal Crossing's New Horizons as. <laughs> and for Eva obvious. plays Cutie Island too. She sure does. I mean, for obvious reasons, you can't look at that game and not think how adorable is all this stuff. I mean, that's kind of how I look at Mortal Kombat 11, but you know, <laughs> different Cutie Islands for different people. <laughs> My Cutie Island recently has been Resident Evil 2, <laughs> which Ian turned me on to, and I've been playing, and I love it. Yes. Oh, so good. Okay. For those who want to experience a little bit of gaming terror firsthand, the Blair Witch Project is getting a tabletop experience thanks to Lionsgate partnering with horror-themed gaming company Hunt a Killer. Uh, They're going to allow players to discover the history of the Blair Witch for themselves, and in the game, players will become detectives attempting to solve a missing persons case near the infamous Black Hills Forest. The game is subscription-based, and each month, players will receive a box in the mail with new clues and ways to explore the narrative. So here's the, uh, you know, the polar opposites of what could happen to you. A... You're at a campsite and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. Best case scenario. Worst case scenario, you're standing in a corner in a basement at the end. That's it. Mm. (laughs) You're totally taking... You're attempting to take away the power that Blair Witch has. (laughs) I remember watching Blair Witch in theater, the Blair Witch Project, and it got me. I mean, it either like it gets you or it doesn't. Because I know some people were like, Mm -hmm. what? They walked out of the theater like, this has no effect on me. Literally, like nothing to this movie but for other people like me I was shook to the core like horrified and I lived like on the last I lived on a dead end street last house on the left just like the horror movie and I was like paranoid to go outside because of like what what would happen to me I mean literally the power of the Blair Witch was over me I I was scared they were going to put me in the corner I'm like please no nobody put Swampula in the corner it was terrifying but I'm saying does it translate to a tabletop game I mean of all the the things to pick not a lot happens in that movie you know? I don't know. I mean, just to spill a little of our tea, I think we're potentially planning a D&D campaign coming up. <laughs> so maybe we'll have to play this uh, this Blair Witch tabletop as well. We shall see. I would love it if we would do that either on the podcast or on like some kind of video thing. I think it would be kind of fun. Oh, that's cute. That yeah. cute. That's our new tabletop <laughs> cutie island. <laughs> <laughs> the real Dungeons and Drag Queens. Oh my God. Well, finally, I have a cryptozoology update for those of you who want your monsters lurking in the darkness of reality, but this one is not exactly what you might be thinking. Sewer sanitation workers in Mexico City were doing regular maintenance recently where they happened upon a giant five-foot-tall rat. But before you get ahead of yourselves, the sewer workers quickly realized that the rat was not alive or real and was actually a wayward Halloween prop that had been washed away years ago during a flash flood. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was terrified for a minute. Oh, yeah. yeah. Evelyn Lopez, a local resident who claimed the monster as her own, is unsure if she's going to keep the sewage-covered rat king at this point as it was washed away during a flash flood. But just a reminder, giant sewer rats are real and they are coming to get you. Oh, my God. Sewer-covered rat king? Is such a totem icon of like Dragula season four or something like Phil. that. Oh, yeah. oh, isn't that Priscilla's trash runway from season three? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's Dahlia. Dahlia. Oh, oh yeah. 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 That is disgusting and terrifying. I love it. And I have to let you know, because a lot of people wrote in 
that are huge fans of your cryptozoology segments. So. Oh my God. Thank you everyone who enjoys those weird little cryptozoology segments as much a, as I love making them. It's a fun segment. They love your roach story too. We still get stuff about that. So. <laughs> well, maybe we'll get those, the, the, some of those questions and comments. We'll make it to our questions and comments segment. All right, Ian, well, thank you for all that valuable information this episode. So the moment you've all been waiting for is here. It's our Halloween review section of the podcast. Are you two ready? Oh, I'm so ready. <laughs> so, for list- so for listeners at home, we have decided since Halloween is our favorite holiday and we love to buy all things Halloween related like candles and essential oils and coffees and all these things. We wanted to actually get a bunch of that stuff and review it for you because nothing sucks worse than buying some of these products and getting home and realizing that they are horrible. So we're going to save you the time and review some things and tell you what is our favorite and our not so favorite items. And uh, yeah, so we're going to just pick up and do that now. Are you guys ready? We're ready. So what's first? The first company that we're going to review is Seance Perfumes. They are seanceperfumes.com. So if you want to check out anything that we review, you can buy items there. And they are also offering 15% off of any of their products to our listeners if you enter code BB15 at checkout. How generous. Oh, Drac getting in on the ASMR too. It's, it's irresistible. So the first thing we're going to review is a room spray called October Shadows. From Seance Perfume. So I have to say, as far as the name goes, I'm totally in. Yeah? Okay, here, give it a try. Let me see. It's one of those scents that definitely smells October, autumnal, and says Halloween. It's a little on the sweet side, if you ask me. I like my October scents, like, smoky, earthy, kind of almost, like, dirty or gritty smelling. Surprise. I know. (laughs) I like this one. I think it's more of a year-round spray to me. Oh. Right? Not so Halloween. Hmm. For the goth every day. Next, we have Dead Man's Party. This is a <gasps> roll-on essential. Okay, I literally listened to that song getting ready today because okay. it's just in the mood. Wait, you have to educate me. Dead Man's Party. Oingo Boingo. It's a dead <laughs> man's party. Who could ask for more? <laughs> Let it know, Swan. Oh, I will. This actually kind of smells like Dead Earth. Oh, this is cute. I mean, it almost, I mean, okay, forgive me for this one, but it kind of smells like Chanel number five a little bit. Mm. Hit him with that uppity <gasps> bullshit. <laughs> oh, hi. Welcome to the Nordstrom counter. Do you like some Chanel number five? Okay, so the next one, I'm just going <laughs> to talk right over that. The next one is All Hallows Eve. It's also a roll on essential oil. You aren't giving me any ASMR, nothing. Let me see now. Mm, not the poppers inhale. <laughs> oh, I like that too. This, yeah. It kind of smells like uh, something's baking in the oven. Oh, okay. And this one is All Hallows Eve. Okay. Oh, this one's kind of lighter. I mean, it's definitely got like vanilla. Okay. So what would you pick? Would you recommend to our listeners between the All Hallows Eve perfume oil, the Dead Man's Party perfume oil, or... The October Shadows Room Spray. I think I had a little moment of premonition when I was picking out my playlist this morning because it was Dead Man's Party for me then and it's Dead Man's Party for me now. I'm going to be a 24-7-365 goth and I'm going to go with October Shadows. So the next one we're moving on to, the company is DW Home. I love DW Home candles. Well, you can get these candles at dwhome.com and 
I love their packaging mm-hmm. and I love the name of their candles, but I am skeptic as to whether or not they live up to these names. Fireside Embers, if oh. this smells sweet at all, I'm throwing this candle against the wall. <laughs> oh, let's get ready because I feel like that's a dis- that's disappointment waiting to happen. Let me just say now, clean up on aisle three. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll say it's unique. I don't want to give my opinion until you guys all get a chance to... Okay, let me see. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Oh, I can actually kind of smell the fire in that. Oh, and for listeners at home, uh, I have to give this kind of props. The uh, the packaging for this, it's kind of this like frosted black glass. And then the uh, the wax itself is also black, which Edgelord Central here, love. Sexy. Drac, what do you think of the smell? I like the smell. I kind of like what it What do you too. guys think? Fireside Embers. What do you think? Does it live up to the name? Um, again, it has a little bit of sweetness. I feel like, you know, most candle companies are probably afraid to just be like, this one just smells straight up like campfire. So they have to add a little bit of sweetness, but it's not overpowering, which is a total plus for me. Yeah, I have to agree. So moving on with DW Home, we have Wood Smoke Bourbon next. Let's try to smell it quickly. It's really weird. That's my grinder name. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you at home that want to Avoid Ian at all costs. Do not respond <laughs> to nudes from that identity. <laughs> okay, what do you guys think of this one? It's all right for me. I, I've actually burned this candle before. Mm. Sort of like, you know, I, I have some insider information on this. And it's one of those ones where it's it's subtle. Mm-hmm. The smell is appealing, but it's subtle. And I, again, like my sense, like really strong. It's like if I'm going to burn a candle, I want to smell it. And I want to smell it like all over the room. And this one is like a little bit too subtle for me. Mm-hmm. I feel it. I mean, to me, this one, I mean, oh, God, expose it all here. This one smells a little bit like daddy issues for me. Like I smell it and I'm like, oh, this, this smells like I'm going to therapy later. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> let's move on to warm tobacco pipe. Speaking of daddy issues. Daddy's going house. to therapy. It's a very mask for mask like smelling, mm-hmm. supposedly smelling candles. All right. Another black waxed candle, warm tobacco pipe. Look, the packaging is cute. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like really like, I mean, the, the labels on are really slick looking too. I'm into it. Let's see. Okay. For, okay. That is the first candle that we smelled, in my opinion, that smells exactly like what it's supposed to. It smells oh. like a warm tobacco pipe to it me. It does. Yeah. yeah, it really does. And if you find that appealing, it's so specific. It, it smells really good. My dad used to smoke a pipe when I was a kid and I would always like smell all the tobacco, the little pouches and everything. Mm. And it does smell a lot like that. Yeah. So wow. is that a good thing for you, Drac? Uh, yeah. 
I like it too. I'm going to take a page out of Swam Thula's book here though. I feel like I had, I mean, I had to do a double smell on that one. It's really, really subtle. And again, like I like a strong candle, like I like a strong man. So that one, it smells great, but I'm not sure if it's like going to fill up the whole home. Hmm. Um, or the home's I hole. think... <laughs> It is my opinion that DW Home needs to intensify their scents. Mm -hmm. We like their scents. We like their packaging, but their candles are weak as hell. (laughs) That's on period. Right. Okay. So the next company I'm really excited about, they are Burke and Hair Company. And you can get their products at BurkeHairCO.com. I'm excited because for one thing, this little card that they sent us, as you can see, is... Their marketing is the cover of a propaganda magazine. Wow. And Propaganda Magazine back in the day was the magazine. Um, I used to buy this magazine all the time when I was a little punk rock kid with a mohawk. And I loved it. And it was very fashionable and cool. So I like that they're using that imagery. And they sent us a bunch of stuff. So let's dig right into it. Let's do it. All right. So let's start with their candles because their candles are actually very themed for the Halloween holiday. We're going to start with pumpkin carving. Ooh, I like that name. Pumpkin carving. Ooh. All right. Passing it along. Let's see. Let's see if she lives up to its name. Okay. All right. Are either of you pumpkin carving like aficionados? I am, and it does not smell like pumpkin carving, but I don't think they're trying to imitate the scent of a pumpkin. I think they're just saying that's the theme of It's the evocative, smell. right? It's evocative because it, there's pumpkin elements there, but they're tainted. Uh-huh. And I am also uh, a pumpkin carving aficionado. We do this every year like ritual, and I actually don't like that. Yeah. I, I feel like it's mucked up. Like the pumpkin scent is like mm. tampered with a bunch of other scents and I don't like it. Not my favorite, but I would say like, like you said, it's kind of evocative of it. Like I feel like if this was, uh, if this was burning while you were carving pumpkins, I'd be like, Oh, this kind of feels fitting. I agree. It's, it's good seasonal smell. Uh, next we have midnight. Oh, interesting. Okay. Let's see. Hmm. Really different than the other yeah. ones. I remember, these are their seasonal ones. Yeah, it kind of smells like a sweet spell that might hang on the air. I kind of like that one. I don't know, man. This one gives me Christmas. Like, I'm getting full on Nightmare Before Christmas vibes. It could potentially be for Christmas because the packaging is green and it has fig, pine needle, ginger, apple. This could be, uh, you know, because I think everything they do is kind of dark. And this looks like maybe this is like a, a Nightmare Before Christmas kind of candle. No, th- yeah, this okay. could be the segue out of out like midnight on Halloween night out of the Halloween season and into the rest of the holiday season because there's also spider webs in the green sort of packaging. Mm-hmm. So it's evocative of Halloween, but it's also smells of pine and kind of like the more wintry uh, holidays. All right. Their next one is called Bewitched. I love the packaging on this one. It's like iridescent and pink. I don't favor this one. Yeah, I'm going to say this one is not my favorite. It almost has a generic sweetness. Like if, you, mm. if you've ever been to like an occult store that sells like oils and it's like egyptian musk and you know black love or whatever these generic kind of scents like that's what it kind of smells like to me you know i'm actually i'm really excited for the next couple ones because these the the three candles we just smelled are from burke and hair company's uh halloween collection but the next ones are from their black label collection and i've purchased some of their black label candles and i personally feel like they all smell great so i'm excited for these okay so let's start with symmetry gates Ooh, I love that pronunciation. <laughs> Aficionado. <laughs> Symmetry. Symmetry gates. 
I want to stick my nose completely into that candle. Wow, that's obscene. <laughs> this to me is exactly what we were saying earlier. It's like I like just kind of like earthy. Yeah. Like this is, I mean, completely devoid of like sweetness. It's like it's hay, it's earth, it's dirt. Love it. I, I love I'm, it too. I'm smelling like ferns and and dirt. Let me see. Yeah, grass, grasses. I love it too. I would Fantastic. definitely burn that. Okay, great. We're all in agreement. Yes. Games. Okay, symmetry. one of our favorites. Yeah, I feel like that's a favorite from the whole the whole gaggle. Okay, this one is called death. <laughs> Oh, interesting. So uh, once oh, with Palo Santo, Amaris, Copal, Incense. Let's see. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. I kind of feel like this one would be an interesting like like roll-on or kind of like a like a body oil. In terms of a candle, I'm not sure that I love it for a candle, but... I think we need to burn some of these too because, you know, sometimes when you smell the candle and then when you actually burn it or put it on your skin, not that you would put a candle on your skin, but if you put this roll-on oil right. on your skin, <laughs> if you're Dali, you might, <laughs> you know, you, uh, it might smell a little different. But so we favor, it sounds like universally we favor their non-seasonal candles, right? Yeah. yeah they're, the they're, black labels are great. The Cemetery Gate, I think, was across the board are all three of our favorites that we've smelled today. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like the Death Candle, too, but it almost seems specific that you would burn it in a specific room or at a specific time, if that makes sense to listeners. Like during like a death ritual or something? Or something. Well, let's quickly <laughs> go through um, their role on essential oils. So... The first one we have here is called Bewitched. I'm just going to pass them down. The second one is also called Pumpkin Carving. Hmm. Oh, so is this the roll-on version of the candle, you think? Correct. I see. Okay, this is going to sound weird to listeners, and I promise I'm not trying to flex. Like, sometimes I think I might have a little bit of synesthesia. Like, scents come out as colors to me sometimes. Mm. And Bewitched smells like purple to me. It does smell purple. That makes total sense to me. This smells a lot like the the pumpkin carvings candle, and I'm kind of a fan of maybe wearing it on the body. Okay, this roll-on scent is called Howling Woods, and it makes me want to take off my clothes and run through the woods. I actually love it. I would totally wear it. <laughs> it smells kind of like incense, and it smells... Calm kind of- down, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't control myself. I'm going to stick my woods. nose in it, take off my clothes, and run through the woods like... You've been oh. locked up in the office for too long. No, Okay, I'm putting a little bit on here. I'll, I'll give you guys an update in a little bit, but... Don't I'll, steal the products, Ian. Oh, these are all mine, honey. <laughs> <laughs> you licked them all. Okay, so these were very pleasant, I think. What do you guys think about these? I think the roll-ons are really fun ways to kind of like use scents in different ways, not just the candles or the room sprays. And I love the Howling Woods. For me, it's my favorite thing today. I am a fan of Howling Woods as well as I like pumpkin carving on the skin more than the candle. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So that is all the products that we chose to review this episode. I think that's a good variety for people to pick from, right? I think so too. I hope that leads people into the Halloween season and helps them make some choices on how they might like to embellish their homes with some holiday scents. Yes. And I want to thank the companies once again for sending us these products. They were all fantastic and we appreciate it. Once again, you can shop for these products at BurkeHairCo.com and SeancePerfumes.com and dwhome.com we are going to take a break and when we return we will be conducting an in-depth surgical dissection of the movie uncle peckerhead as promised in our creature feature movie review stay tuned
Arda Wiggs has been serving looks in the drag and costume community since 2009. Their reputation in the wig world is well known for providing luscious, thick, snatchingly good styles that turn heads and ensure you are serving the most devilish of looks. With over 100 colors and 80 styles to choose from, they're sure to have something to make you scream. Use the code ARDABOULE10 for 10% off at arda-wigs.com and treat yourself to something truly hair-raising. All right, everyone, welcome back. I definitely needed that break. It is time to move into this episode's Creature Feature Movie Review. For this episode, we reviewed a movie whose title I absolutely hate. I don't even want to say it. It's Uncle Peckerhead. <laughs> it's written by <laughs> Matt Lawrence. It's a horror comedy, and I'm just going to let you guys dig right in. So go for it. Okay, I'll jump in and start by saying this. Uncle Peckerhead was completely stupid and super fun. I mean, it was (laughs) punk and queer and like easy, wild, monstrous. So reminiscent of like an 80s movie that I would love. Like what a pleasant surprise. Like Uncle Peckerhead gets huge accolades from me. Ian, what did you think? I, I gotta agree with Swan on this one. And this, it really shocked me because I think you guys know this. Like, I have a really hard time blending horror and comedy, but I found myself kind of smiling from ear to ear in some scenes. I was like, wow, I kind of fucking love this movie. Like, you know, it was, it was easy to watch. It was definitely a B movie. Like, I felt like it was like Napoleon Dynamite meets like Little Miss Sunshine and uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world with like a demon monster twist. And it was yeah. just fucking fun. Oh, I have to agree with you. I think overall, this might be the first movie that we all three (gasps) give a thumbs up on, right? Oh, my God. I mean, I guess it might be. Here's the thing. I was nervous about the movie because of the name. It sounded Mm -hmm. douchey and it sounded like, oh, my God, like this is going to be bad. And I was also nervous because, as you guys know, we've moved the podcast to Dread Central on this episode. We just so happened to be reviewing Uncle Peckerhead on this episode. It was not planned, and it is a dread movie. So when I saw that logo pop up, I was like, oh, fuck. You know, I was like, (laughs) what if it's awful? But I'm here to tell you that I would never give something a fake review just because of something like that. And I thought it was great. Yeah, it was so fun. I mean, I was getting, I agree with kind of like the Scott Pilgrim vibes. It was a little like B-ish, but not really. Almost like Um, B-adjacent. I couldn't help but think about almost like it being part Portlandia slash mm-hmm. punk rock. And it, it had, you, you said douchey. I almost felt like it had this like, sarcastic sensibility and it was like making fun of the douchiness of like everything and doing it really well. Totally. I, I don't know if you guys got this, but I was like kind of just taking notes as I was watching it. And <laughs> there's the scene early in the movie where they have the band meeting. And I was like, wait a minute is this us? It was like (laughs) jobs quit bags packed guitars stringed six dates in seven days. Let's fucking go. I was like, Oh my God, this is our world tour. We Uh, just uh, did this. Yes. Except for when I saw her list, I rolled my eyes because I was like, girl, you can't do any of that stuff with that list. I was like, you'd need a gigantic master list with sub lists and everything. <laughs> they, they need our list on that one. Oh, totally. Yeah, they were like, uh, stuff to plug in. I'm like, uh, that would be like a 10-page list. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I definitely, I was like, oh my God, this reminds me of our first tour. And then I think, I mean, we've told this story, I think adjacent a few times, but even down to having a really strange, esoteric weirdo, probably a monster vampire in the night bus driver for our first tour. I was like, wait a minute, I've seen this. I have lived this movie before. Oh, we all have. It it moved beyond the parallels of like the master lists and the, you know, jobs quitted, bags packed because they finally get to the sound check on time and like doors (laughs) locked, sound guy, nowhere to be found. Like some of the equipment like exploding, you know, and this is like total commentary about the actual trials of touring life. Like anyone who's toured can relate. I want to say one of the things about this movie was it gave me flashbacks because uh, listeners at home might not know, but you guys know, we used to do events at a rock and roll venue forever. It was like a big rock and roll club in Hollywood called The Dragonfly. And if this movie wasn't like, I mean, everything <laughs> that happened in that movie as far as the venues and stuff is so real like even down to like the band has no draw there's three people they give them three dollars at the end they get in a fight there's like they show up to sound check the guy's not there for like six hours the band's waiting outside it's like the desperation of the band trying to break in it's the whole thing is super realistic totally i i yeah i mean just kind of just kind of digging even further like i I just really liked this movie. I don't know what it was. It was like something about the blend of all the elements just made it really fun. I thought that uh, Uncle Peckerhead, who was played by uh, David Littleton, I thought he was super endearing. It was almost this like, it, the movie became kind of like a, like a, almost like a family comedy drama. Like the the band plus Uncle Peckerhead, it was like, oh, he's kind of their like weird father figure or like older brother or younger brother. And then when it got to like, the almost like horny gay scenes. I was yeah. like, no, hold on. It kept taking turns like left and right. Like even as we're rehashing it, Uncle Peckerhead is kind of everything because it's all the things that we've talked about and it's filled with existential dread and like sarcasm and irony, but it's also a queer centric movie. Like there's yeah. definitely a queer sensibility here. Definitely. And I mean, overall, it, I think it was like surprisingly funny. Like I wasn't expecting to sit down and be that engaged in it. And it it reminded me of like a 90s dark comedy, like mixed with a low budget, like you said, but kind of like an 80s horror movie, too, with the mm-hmm. gore. Yeah. On, yeah. The excessive gore. Like if I, you know, no spoilers, but you know what happened with the metalheads in the parking oh, lot? My was, favorite. Oh, my God. I think it's going to be everybody's <laughs> favorite because there were like some mortal combat level like practical <laughs> special effects and i was like screaming i loved it totally i mean just i don't know i just i felt like oh again like parallels of like stuff that we've all done it's like uh the main character i guess mel like walks out and the two other bandmates are just like hosing uncle peckerhead down they're all laughing he's covered in blood i'm like okay now how many times have we hosed off drag queens outside of a venue covered in blood like mud you name it all of us saying like oh what a great night so many times <laughs> hosing off other people <laughs> hosing off each other our- yeah for real <laughs> uh, you know, the music from the band was actually good too I don't yeah, know if you guys no, it that. was and there was like this definite like monster movie gore level and the whole you know kind of tongue-in-cheek campiness like oh, you know he turns into a beast at midnight for 13 minutes and you know and uh-huh. i just love that kind of stuff totally speaking of the music i wrote down like the original music is so fun and then the very next scene was like the showcase with uh with duh and then also with like the antagonist band Mm -hmm. and i was so gagged because i remember going to like punk shows when i lived in austin and you would hear these just like awful 
awful opening bands. And I was so gagged. Their music is so bad. It was like half spoken word, half like <laughs> bad screamo. I was like, wow, I fucking miss this. Like, it's just so terrible. Yeah. And the guy was so real. Like that oh, guy, yeah. that, that lead singer absolutely lives in Hollywood and goes out to club like far sinister. She's lived in Hollywood for like 30 years. Like that character archetype gets recycled in every generation. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) The namaste. Like I lost it. I was like, Oh my God, this is like too real. (laughs) There was one part, uh, Uh, this is like such a small moment it's not a spoiler but there was uh like right before uh kind of like the third act almost starts um the band is watching this movie on tv and it's like this like heavy set cross-dressing guy with a machine gun and i was like i want to watch that fucking movie now (laughs) i hope you guys saw that i wanted to do research i'm not sure i think that's the toxic avenger i I think that might have been yeah Yeah, i I didn't i didn't catch it fast enough but i think so We need to look into that. I bet you a listener might know uh, Toxic Avenger better than I do and confirm maybe in some of the feedback uh, for for the following episode. So check this out. This is the first episode that we said we were going to tell people what movie we were going to watch. So we can talk about spoilers because, (gasps) you know, most of them have already seen the movie at this point. I saw a couple of people on Twitter talking about it. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. Okay, then what happens to Metalheads in the parking lot? I mean, that like... Sub Zero Mortal Kombat oh. decapitation spinal cord included was <laughs> fucking incredible. Totally. I speaking of kind of spoilers, I, I will say my one it's not a gripe because overall I really like this movie. I don't think it's perfect, but I do think it's definitely worth the watch. I it didn't have the ending I wanted. Um I think I was I was kind of on this like this uh like b movie comedy road trip and i was like oh yeah like i just i wanted the movie where they ride into the sunset and they're all just you know uncle peckerhead's murdering people and we're all having fun and then it you know the ending is like he kind of ruins their life at the end and i was like yeah i was kind of bummed um i kind of was too i agreed with you i wanted them i wanted to see them have their dreams come true i kind of wanted there to be some kind of redeeming thing that happens for the main character because you kind of start to like him and then they're just like no he's horrible monster whatever you know what i mean like you, you yeah. thought they were going to go somewhere with it but it just kind of ended almost on like a down no i guess well the story takes like a faustian twist because they kind of sell their soul by saying like oh well he's murdering people and eating people along the way but hey guys look our dreams are coming true and they kind of disregard all that and they get so close and you know that's the the tale of faust like you sell your soul to get your wish but the devil twists and gets you in the end mm. oh girl she hit us with that faustian twist work <laughs> mama <laughs> so overall we we give this movie uh three thumbs up right and we encourage people to go watch it yeah, strong encouragement from me. I mean, the obscene escalations of violence and depravity just keep going and going. Like, Uncle Peckerhead is like the gift that just keeps on giving. It was super fun. I think everyone should check it out. Absolutely. I agree with you both. All right, so moving on with the festivities this episode, it's time to open up Satan's mailbag and answer some listener questions. So we are getting a ton of listener questions, and it's becoming one of my favorite segments of the show, so keep the questions coming. And remember, to those listening now, you can write to us and ask us anything about things we've discussed here on the show or questions about the projects we're working on or things you've always wanted to know about the Belay Brothers Dragula at Creatures at com. 
Um, also, some of you write in to tell us how much you love the show or talk with us about things you've heard us talking about on the show. And we want you to know that we do read all of your mail, the ones that get through screeners, of course. And we love to receive your letters. And they're really fun for us to read. Um, something we're going to do different this episode because Ian is joining us live in person is we're going to allow Ian to read your questions to us today. Yes. I mean, this is such a fun surprise because normally I get locked in my cage during this part and I just like bang on the doors. Well, don't push it. Let's just see. What <laughs> okay, let's just do <laughs> let's it. see how it goes. <laughs> All right. First up is from Krista. Krista writes, how true was the season two opener? Um, let's remind people what the season two opener was go for it okay so Drac and I entered a big shiny skyscraper somewhere in Los Angeles and we were sitting down trying to pitch our script for Dragula to a huge room filled with stuffy white executives from uh you know, some studio or some network and they didn't quite see our vision so we had to kill them all with our telekinetic powers Yeah, and I think it was seen as commentary on us breaking into the TV industry. What I will say is that TV executives can be ruthless, very ruthless. And I think after season one, we learned that. Um, So that was a little bit of us giving it back to that world and saying, we're not going to follow your rules. We're not going to play by your rules. And we're going to make the content that we want. And I think... We had a little bit of power on our side because it wasn't about money for us. And m- money usually motivates everyone in that world. Mm-hmm. So um, it gave us a, a little bit of resistance to them, right? Because we didn't care. So yeah. we're like, well, I don't care if I'll make a million dollars if I do this. I'm not doing this. I'm going to do this instead. So I think maybe that was a little bit of artistic expression from us to them. <laughs> exactly. I, You know, how true is it to life? I mean, obviously, the narrative wasn't like exactly the same, but kind of symbolically, It was. It Mm -hmm. was the same. Moving on. Uh, Laura asks, was there a conscious decision to include drag kings, heteroflexible, post-binary contestants, or was the overriding decision based purely on the talent? And are there any international artists that you would love to have on future series? I would say it was definitely conscious to be open to drag kings and heteroflexible people and really everybody, but it definitely did not play a part in casting them per se. Like they had to be good and get through the process just like everyone else did, because if they didn't, that would be tokenizing and we don't do that. We judge artists on their merit. And as far as international artists, I'd say absolutely. Um, You know, we open the doors. The doors have actually always been open to international drag artists. Um, They will continue to remain open and we'll use this opportunity to encourage international drag artists to audition come this Halloween night. Yeah, more of them. I I don't want to make spinoff shows. There's one, Boulay Brothers Dragula, and it's for the world. So hopefully we'll get more applicants applying from all over the world that we can include. And I think it'd be really interesting to do that. And yeah, as far as inclusion, uh, from our first parties, and you can look at this back to Miss Kitty's parlor. And we've said this a million times. We've always had a variety of performers featured on our stage. That's what makes our brand of parties and now TV special is that we mix the whole queer community up. We always have, it's something we've always wanted to do. And the reason that there wasn't more inclusion in the beginning is because people didn't realize that they could apply like drag Kings didn't think that they could apply because they couldn't apply to other shows. So, you know, things like that always come into play. And now that we've had people like Priscilla and hollow and Landon on, I hope that the message is loud and clear to everyone that everyone is welcome to apply. Awesome. Marie asks if you were going to start your drag careers over again, what's something you would do differently? I would say you can never 
let your guard down when you're in this industry. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can't ever have a bad night where you just are in a bad mood. (laughs) You tell someone to fuck off. (laughs) Because you never know who that person is. And I guarantee you, it will come back to bite you in the ass. (laughs) Oh, my God. That is true. And that is kind of hilarious. I mean, I'd say I wouldn't change anything, honestly. But if I did go back and I had to shoot off into like a parallel universe where I had a different drag career, I would just pick a persona that was completely different, like totally free of seriousness, like probably just ridiculously opposite of who I am today. I mean, that would be fun to do anyways, which we've kind of done before undercover that nobody knows. So you never know. Maybe we were those new bitches in your club one night and you treated us like shit. (laughs) But no, you know, I think what what I was talking about before was just that not that we're like ever mean to people because we're not. But even like Vander, when Vander first met us, you know, they everyone reads so much into our interaction with them. Yeah. And we're like, hi, nice to meet you. But we weren't like overly sweet or anything. And and uh, she took that as, oh, maybe they don't like me or whatever. So I feel yeah. like if I had to go back in time, I would make sure that I always am very conscious about my interactions with everybody because, you know, you don't want to give the wrong impression. Very political, but also very sound advice. Well, you know, I don't like to hurt people's feelings in real life. I mean, unless they deserve it. And then I really like to do (laughs) it. you really go in. As you said, the show is not designed to hurt you permanently. (laughs) And the sword cuts both ways. As much (laughs) as I care about you, you know. (laughs) Choi Ping Clark writes, How do you maintain a healthy balance between your personal relationship and working relationship? As someone getting started in creative work, this is something I struggle with sometimes with friends who I also make art with. Well, the truth is you don't. When you work for yourselves and you're passionate about what you do, you know, I think balance is probably one of the hardest things to achieve. And maybe a better goal would be to stay inspired by your work and do stuff that really speaks to your spirit because then it doesn't feel like work. I think to uh, let things go, you know, that's something I've learned at least. I'm always very controlling about the stuff that we put out there. And over the years, I try to get better about that and say it's not a big deal like try to let things go and also just be the one to say i'm sorry right because it's like what do you if you what are you holding out for you know if you just apologize and move on there's no skin off your ass everyone to get along better and no one's right all the time everyone's wrong sometimes so just apologize and you know i'm so glad you've learned those lessons draft and what lesson did you learn <laughs> hmm well what was that lesson Ian, what's the next question <laughs> Ooh, Kara says about a Boulet Worst Witch remake, this may be the best idea anyone in history has ever had. Kara has also (laughs) volunteered to work on the remake for free, so there you go. I have gotten so many emails about the Worst Witch. (laughs) I can see it coalescing into a very plausible future for us. This is one of those things that, that could just happen. You know, like how you will try really hard to make something happen and it takes years and then finally it does. But then sometimes when it's just right, it happens. Yeah. It's going to happen. That's like a spiritual experience. The universe opens the door and all you have to do is walk right through it. And maybe the worst witch is in our future. And the thing is, I really don't care about the worst witch. (laughs) It's one of those things that I just said. And now it's like my whole new life and I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to go with it. It might be the right path for me. Well, speaking of things I think Drac should embrace, I woke up to a text this morning from Drac that said, I hate you guys. And it was just a bunch of screenshots of listener mail talking about Drac's love of Ethel Merman. I 
do not love Ethel Merman. No, you enjoy Ethel. You do. I'm Just- not talking about this <laughs> ever again. All right, back to our own little cutie. <laughs> I almost let him have it. I'm not. <laughs> Follow your own advice. Be nice. You never know who asked the question. I meant I almost let them have a little Ethel Merman. Oh, 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 oh you almost got a treat. Mm. Ooh. Who knows? Maybe it'll pop up one day. Uh, Danielle asks, do you smoke? No. no. I think smoking is really foolish. I understand how people get addicted to it. I sympathize with it. I smoked when I was younger. But it is the worst and most ignorant thing you can do. I suggest all listeners at home to not smoke. Yeah, I was a smoker too. And it was very difficult to quit. And I'm so glad that I did many, many years ago. It's just you know, it just doesn't, you don't get anything out of it. It's stupid. I mean, literally, it's like you might as well go put your mouth on the tailpipe of a car and inhale. They all know it. You know, it's like throw your money in the trash and put cancer in your body. But yeah, I mean, as someone that used to smoke when people would say those things to me, I was always like, whatever. Sure. You, you know, because you're addicted. Hello. You, you know, thought, you thought you were so cool. Next question. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> Next question. I am cool. <laughs> you are cool. <laughs> Maggie asks, are you married? Yes or no? Why? Um, I'm going to answer this. You know, we are not technically married, and I'll tell you why. Um, we've been together for a very long time, and there was a point in time for many years that we were told we cannot get married. We were not able to be recognized by normal society. And that sort of caused us to question what is marriage and what's the validity of marriage and is marriage a heterosexual construct that we don't necessarily believe in because the truth is as we've been together and happy for many many years all these rigid heterosexual couples that didn't want us to get married get divorced and they slowly started breaking up and cheating on each other and getting divorced and all these troubles so I'm like well maybe I don't want to be married Because, you know, that doesn't seem to be working out for everybody. So I felt like for us, it was like, you know, we don't need your blessing to be validated. We don't need this construct to be blessed upon us to feel like we're allowed to be together because of you. We are together. We figure out ways to link ourselves with business and financial things that we don't need a little piece of paper from a priest that we don't believe in to validate us. Plus, an extra long engagement is just so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I would ever seek that sort of like blessing from normal society. You know, maybe we'll do. We have talked about doing some sort of ceremony, a giant grand ball where we invite all of our fabulous and freaky Rocky Horror <laughs> Transylvanians to come and <laughs> witness our joining. But then again, I don't know, something simple in the woods or, you know, something more Maybe both. I, I think maybe both. There'll be there'll be a huge hedonistic ball somewhere in a city center, and then there'll also be like a little ceremony out in the woods somewhere. Perhaps. Well, I was just informed yesterday, I wasn't here for this, but when you guys got married to Dragula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. I loved those days. Back at the fault line when we were at our filthiest and most fabulous, and we were doing, you know, the punk rock party that grew into the show, Dragula, uh, you know, we used to get kind of jeered at, like, God, you guys just love this party so much, and you love it so much, why don't you marry it? Like that stupid joke when you're a little kid. So we were like, and, you know, we decided 
We will. We will marry it. So we pulled off our, we ripped off our clothes and did this huge reveal. We were both in wedding gowns and one of these sisters of perpetual indulgence jumped on stage and basically married us to Dragula live on stage at a show. At the anniversary. At the anniversary yeah. of Dragula. And, uh, and I think there was some power in that ritual because it has bound our future and our fate to Dragula for years now. Absolutely. I love it. Nathan asks, please tell us which zodiac sign is Drac? And then in parentheses, is she a Capricorn? Allow me. Now, I think Capricorn would be a good guess because some of the characteristics of Capricorn might apply to Drac. They're brutal. They're persistent, pessimistic, but also sensitive. Um, But I'll say you are wrong. You are 100% wrong because Drac is a quintessential Virgo. And for those of you that don't know, <laughs> Virgos have memories that are are brutal. Okay, Zelda. I mean, what, like, let us have <laughs> it. But she's, you know, critical and overthinking. It's true. But super hardworking and, and amazingly creative and considerate. And that's what Drac. Drac is a Virgo to the core. Well, someone messaged and asked about our star signs and our birth signs and our t- I was like I'm not if they want, what do you want my credit card information to I was like no you're not getting all that but yes I'm comfortable with saying I am a Virgo and Swan is a Gemini mm-hmm. Troy writes hi I was wondering how was the feedback you got from the issue you did for Alt Press Magazine and how did you feel when you were writing the article quote it gets better <laughs> I gotta tell you as much as I would love it to be a big emotional response People do not read. And the response was nothing. There was no response. So we put out pictures of ourselves out of drag as children and all these things. And Ham wrote these like emotional articles. Nothing. I mean, and I can put up a picture that I could take with my phone backstage somewhere and it'll get 30,000 likes. But you can put up something heartfelt like that's just how people are today. They don't read. Mm. They don't care. You know what? That response might tip people off to go and check out the article because it is really cool. I think we got a lot out of writing it ourselves. There was was like a healing and just going back to that mental space when we were younger. It was kind of a pleasure to see the contestants of the third season read it too. They got a little piece of kind of peeking behind the curtain to see who we really are or at least part of our real history as opposed to, you know, the imperial visages that are the Boulay brothers. I'll say too, I think because it, you know, with alt press, you have to buy the the actual physical copy to read it. So I think it's a little less interactive. Like if you can share an article online and people can click it and read it right there, you get more reaction than having to order something and read it and then go online and say something about it. So I'm sure people did read it uh, and cared about it, but you know, there just wasn't a big lot of fanfare about it. Knack asks, What's the thing you most enjoy about touring with the Dragula Ghouls, and what's the least? Well, for me, for me, (laughs) I want to talk about this. I think the most enjoyable thing about touring with the Dragula cast is the fact that we're sort of all together in a non-structured sort of way. We get to know each other, and it it can be fun, and like there's kind of no rules really. But that is exactly the same thing that makes it annoying that there are no rules and the structure is just kind of loose and open. And, you know, you just get to know people for good and for bad, kind of, you know, but most of all, it's really 
a great experience, not only because of interacting with each other, but mostly for interacting with the fans. And even to see how much the fans love not only us, but how much the fans love the monsters that we're sort of bringing to light and helping create. Yeah, I mean, too, it's like people need to remember our show is very punk rock with very grassroots origins. So it wasn't like, let's put out a season. Let's go on a giant world tour that's taken care of by a giant management company. I mean, the first European tour we did was brutal because we were just starting out. We were lucky to be doing it in the first place. The fact that people were flying us to Europe to perform was amazing, but it was... You paid for it. It was brutal. And, you know, obviously the season three tour was much more cushier and we were in a giant, uh, what do you call those? Like a tour bus and everything. And it was a lot more comfortable and easy. So, you know, it gets easier. And I think spending time with the competitors is great. And someone else asked a question about uh, why do we think, I think it's on, is it on there, Ian? Like something about why they can't see you as normal people. Yeah. And I think that comes up with touring too you know it's hard because when we're on the show we're judging them we have to stay removed because if we act nice to one or you know if we if we talk too much they pay attention to everything we do because they know that we're the judge of the show and we're going to pick a winner so if you're like hi let me wave to madeline and then violencia sees that she might think well what, what does that mean or you know and so we try to really be distant to be fair then when and then we also spend months watching footage of them so we feel like we know them like they're our best friend and then we'll go on tour and they're like all they know of us is from the show or conversations we've had on the phone about the show so i feel like it, there's a little bit of the, the scales are not even like we know so much about them and so much about their experience and they know very little about us and our experience so right. and that might be the answer to why the competitors can't see the boulet brothers as normal people or you know it takes time it takes like the year after their season when yeah we, when, when yeah. we did when we have had some touring uh, experiences together and we've had some on the phone conversations where it's like oh I, I'm being booked and what do you guys think about my rate or you know what would you advise and you know we do that with with most of the competitors I think we have an open door policy and the more we interact with them the more they see us as just you know the people that we are behind the visage yeah it's not to say that we, we interact with them a lot uh, through all the process casting once they're on set all the, you know we try to coach them and you know we're very involved with them but it's still they see us as producer slash judge not like someone they can kiki with yeah so you know that's you know how it is yeah totally lydia writes after hearing that you are both keeping up appearances fans i've started to wonder is the boulet brothers name a reference to the bouquet equals bucket recurring gag in the show and that mere mortals would comedically pronounce boulet as bullet (laughs) (laughs) it actually happens sometimes yes No, we are both fans. We love the show. I, I think the Boulet bouquet kind of like parallel was just a coincidence, you know, kind of like a beautiful coincidence because we like to make references to a lot of the things that we love. And you see that in earlier seasons more than the, more than season three. Um, but the bouquet Boulet and Drac being on the phone, like the Boulet residence, it, it was just kind of beauteous harmony. And the, the circumstance <laughs> was just perfect. I have to say as someone that tries to protect the image of the show and is usually out front, you know, especially when in the beginning when we're trying to, you know, keep up appearances with the show, I'm oftentimes am made to feel like Hyacinth oh, you with do. you all and the cast and crew. I will admit that. You're the Hyacinth and we're the Oslos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow. 
I have no idea what any of that's about, so I'm going to have to do my own research. Uh, but Lydia has a follow-up to this question. Uh, I am new to the drag realm and was wondering what advice or tips do you wish you were given when you were first starting out, and did you ever have many panic attacks when trying to figure out makeup, and how did you get through it? Um, I've definitely had many panic attacks when I'm doing my makeup. Uh, still happens sometimes to this day. You know, especially in the beginning, sometimes you'll be like, I look so great. And you go out and you do your, you know, your work, you know, host a party or whatever. And you come back and you're like, oh, my God. Like, what? I was like that all night tonight. And then pictures come in. Hey, here's all the pictures with you that you took night before. Look, you know, and then you're getting tagged and they're showing up on all your shit and you want to kill yourself. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah, I've had total mental meltdowns at the mirror like, like the, you know, the time is ticking. You have to go, you know, for us it's like we have to be on stage and like it's just you know, sometimes the makeup just does not want to cooperate with you and you just want to scream and throw your brush and like smash the mirror. Like, definitely happened. Definitely relatable. But that leads to my advice, which would be like, everybody starts somewhere and don't take it too seriously. Like, yeah. when you look back we all look back and see how horrible we looked at the beginning and how gorgeous we look now so that will happen for you too i remember specifically one night at the halloween ball when we literally had the shortest amount of time to get ready and it was dark like all the lights were out and i'm like trying to paint my face (laughs) i remember you were done and you and ian were working on something and you guys came upstairs and to our dressing room and I turned around and I was like well, what? am I good? Am I good? And y'all were just frozen and my lips were like gigantic clown lips and it started getting crooked and then so I started trying to compensate for it by painting the other side bigger and, and it bigger. kept happening and it was so huge but the mirror it was like I was getting ready in one of those little teeny mirrors so you couldn't see your whole face so then when I panned back I was like what is the fucking problem and I ran down to the, the main bathroom and I was like <gasps> It was a nightmare. (laughs) All right. Well, that's all the time we have for questions for now. We're going to take another quick little break. And when we return, we'll be diving deep into this episode's hauntings of history. Welcome back to the Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night Hauntings of History. For this section of the show we like to dig up a real-life, documented, supernatural happening and give listeners an abridged history of the terrifying event. We encourage you to turn off the lights, find a dark, quiet place to relax in, and prepare for a journey into the unknown. As lovers of the horror genre, we are generally familiar with the idea of zombies, the flesh-eating reanimated dead being a staple of the pantheon of monstrous horrors with infinite representations in media. The idea of zombies is an extremely old one. The dead, returning to the land of the living, have permeated certain cultures and religions for centuries, along with tales and rituals to execute their reanimation. In 1968, the pop culture landscape was forever changed by a film that showcased the dead returning from their graves to terrorize the living. Written, directed, photographed, and edited by the ubiquitous king of the living dead, George A. Romero, Night of the Living Dead is credited with bringing the horror genre out of the gothic castles and cobwebs of the genre's predecessors and thrusting the shambling horrors of zombified corpses into the forefront of viewers' terrified psyches. While Night of the Living Dead may have brought flesh and brain-eating zombies to audiences for the first time, 
The implications of the cross-section between science and the paranormal that reanimate the dead may be even more terrifying. In the year 1980, Angelina Narcisse was shopping at a marketplace in Lester, Haiti, when she was approached by a man claiming to be her brother, Clervius Narcisse, who had not been seen in almost two decades. Angelina was shocked by this claim and refuted it continually until the man claiming to be Clervius began to tell her information that only close family members knew and finally reminded Angelina of a nickname that the two shared as young children. These revelations shocked Angelina and the community of Lester. Despite the mounting evidence of Clervius' identity, there was no way that this man could be Clervius, as Angelina Narcisse had been present when Clervius was officially pronounced dead 18 years prior. Going back to April 30th, 1962, a Haitian farmer named Clervius Narcisse checked himself into the Albert Schweitzer Hospital in Deschapelles, Haiti, with an extremely high fever and complained of a sensation that he described as bugs crawling under the surface of his skin, tearing him apart from the inside. Over the course of the next two days, his condition continued to deteriorate until doctors finally pronounced him dead, although his cause of death was unknown. His sister, Angelina Narcisse, was called to the hospital where she identified his body and rode with the corpse to the site where he was buried in a coffin, sealed with nails along all sides. In the dead of night after Narcisse's funeral, the gravesite was disturbed and Narcisse's corpse was disinterred. According to Narcisse's account during an investigation in 1980, a Haitian voodoo sorcerer, also known as a Bokor, dug his body up and performed a ritual on him to bring him back to the land of the living. The Bokor took Narcisse's body to a sugar plantation, where he bound the corpse and forced a potion down Narcisse's throat, which caused him to rise from the dead. The Bokor then injected him with a poison cocktail that kept Narcisse in a partially zombified state, incapable of escaping the plantation, and forced him into slavery for over two years with other zombified farmers who had suffered the same fate as Narcisse. Two years later, in 1964, one of the Bokor's victims regained enough consciousness to fight back against the sorcerer. According to reports, the other supposed zombie slashed the throat of the voodoo sorcerer before crushing his skull with a rock, freeing the rest of the zombie slaves from the Bokor's nightmarish servitude. Little more than a lifeless husk at this point, Narcisse wandered into the surrounding darkness of the plantation as his strength slowly returned. Sixteen years later, Narcisse would make his return to Lester, where he would reveal the truth about his death and why he waited so long to return. When Narcisse finally returned to Lester, people were reasonably shocked and skeptical. It wasn't until Clervius was able to recount exact details of his death and burial that people began to give credence to his claims. Clervius told reporters and investigators that when he was pronounced dead, he was actually fully conscious but unable to move or signal in any way that he was alive. This state of immobility was supposedly brought on by a voodoo ritual conducted by the Bokor, who would later disinter his body, that involved casting a spell to remove his soul, leaving him incapable of fighting back as his body expired and was suspended in undeath. The revelations continued to shock the community as Narcisse claimed that he was targeted by the Bokor after he had a series of arguments with his brother over the land that their family owned. Narcisse's claims were given even more weight due to the fact that Angelina knew of her siblings' quarrels and the confession of her brother on his deathbed earlier that year that he had been responsible for Clarivius' death. Narcisse had waited until his brother died to return to his hometown fearful that if his brother knew that he had survived the ritual, he would attempt to have him killed again. While Narcisse's family and the surrounding community finally accepted his account as fact, believing that his experience was the work of voodoo magic, 
The case puzzled scientific experts due to the fact that his death was documented and verified by two doctors at the Albert Schweitzer Hospital. This case led to further investigation by Haitian psychiatrist Lamarck de Jong, who dismissed the supernatural explanations in favor of a scientific one, where he proposed that Narcisse was the victim of an attack, whereby Clervius was given a deadly cocktail of neurotoxins via injection or inhalants that led to his conscious but catatonic state. Duyon went so far as to reach out to American researchers who then traveled to Haiti, discerning that the poison used was a combination of tetrodotoxin and bufotoxin, both ingredients used heavily in documented Haitian voodoo rituals. While this story may seem like something out of a B-horror zombie flick, the case of the death and subsequent reanimation of Clavius Narcisse is the most documented and best-known case of human zombification in history. Since the debut of Night of the Living Dead, we have come to know zombies in many forms, shambling horrors, relentless terrors, and even sympathetic flesh-eaters. But the real-life implications of reanimated corpses may be the most haunting. When Clairvius Narcisse passed away for the second and final time in 1992, he provided an interview where he described his experience as a zombie. I could see the lid of the coffin close above me and felt the nails driving into my body as they sealed it shut. I could not move and could not scream. I was dead, but my suffering would not end. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Belay Brothers Creatures of the Night. We want to remind you that this episode is a special two-part episode, so we'll be seeing you shortly on part two of October Surprise. The Boulay Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted and produced by Drac Morda and Swanthula Boulay. Featuring co-host Ian DeVogler. Produced by Natasha Pacetta. Edited and mixed by Ernesto Hortada. With music by Neuron Spectre. America. We are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. Life liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.